And our next guest on the show this morning is Antisha himself, Leo Varadkar, who made a flying visit to Sligo last Friday night, straight from a series of meetings in Brussels with the likes of Ukrainian President Zelensky, flying into Ireland West Airport Knock onto the annual dinner of Sligo Chamber of Commerce and Industry, where he was guest speaker. Antisha, good morning to you and welcome to the programme. And, and, and thanks for, for taking the time to join us. Um, we might start with the refugee issue, if you don't mind, because you, you made a very impassioned contribution in the Dáil last week in relation to the various protests which have sprung up in areas around the country in recent weeks. You, you said that racists and the far right will blame whatever problem the country has on migrants. So are, are, are you concerned at these protests? They may be small in number, as we know, attendance-wise, but they are growing are they not in terms of geographic spread? Um, I, I, I am concerned about them. Um, it's a, a normal feature of politics across Europe, unfortunately, that uh, issues around migration are centre stage. Um, we've been largely immune to that in Ireland for lots of reasons. Uh, you know, I am concerned uh, that that is changing. Um, uh, I do think the protests, though, are relatively small, thankfully. And, you know, I firmly believe that the vast majority of people... Uh, in Ireland want to welcome refugees um, who need our protection uh, and also understand that we need economic migration as well. We wouldn't have the kind of um, employment and investment that we have in Ireland if it wasn't for the fact that we're open to talent from around the world and many of our public services, not least our health services, wouldn't function if it wasn't for uh, people coming from abroad uh, to work in them. Uh, So I think as a country we are and we're going to continue to be welcoming uh, to refugees and and economic migrants. Mm. Um, But I also understand that people have legitimate concerns, that they want information about what's happening in their communities. uh, And they also want reassurance from government that, you know, that, that there, there are going to be controls. And yeah, and, and, and I think it's, it's the lack of communication. I think is is the the source of a lot of frustration in relation to the arrival of of the refugees. Because just in, in taking our franchise area, the population of Bundorn has increased yeah. by fifty percent in recent months. Similarly, in Ross's Point in Sligo, and the concerns that residents there have are, are not racially motivated at all. The, the communities there are simply saying that the necessary planning was not in place, the required facilities for such a, a surge in population not available. So would you acknowledge that maybe the government could have done better or will do better in that regard? Well, I, I understand the criticism and I understand the concern and we definitely need to um, invest more in communications and making sure that people get the information that they need. And we also set aside a community fund, you know, a 50 million euro fund to uh, essentially reward communities that have been welcoming people from overseas. And, you know, we're going to build on that. Uh, the, the, there's there's more to come in that regard. What I would say to people, though, is that we are facing an unprecedented situation. Um, we haven't seen a war in Europe like this since the 1940s. We've never experienced a migration crisis like this in Ireland in our history. The last time something like this happened was probably the famine, except it was people leaving, not coming in. And, you know, that's, that's just imagine that the government, you know, had amazing foresight two years ago and saw the war in Ukraine coming and we built uh, um, a city the size of Galway um, with 20,000 houses and apartments and room for 70,000 people. Um, it would already be full by now. 
and like that's the truth of it that's that's the context and the background um, and you can only be so prepared for things and I imagine if we had built 20,000 houses and apartments and left them vacant and um, people would wonder why we've why we done that in, in the context of the housing crisis so you know roughly 70,000 people live in Saigo roughly 70,000 uh, people from Ukraine have come to Ireland that is the scale of, of, of the increase in population and uh, that does put pressure uh, on services um, and we need to respond to that new reality by uh, ramping up uh, investment in in healthcare, in housing, in education, in, in transport, in, in all of those things. As I say, you had, a, you had a busy evening in Sligo on Friday night last, uh, attending the annual dinner of Sligo Chamber of Commerce and Industry, presenting their Business Excellence Awards. You, you gave a pledge in your speech that the government will do all they can to support and assist businesses which may be struggling at the moment. Well, just ex- exactly how will you do that, Zisha? Well, it was was great to have an opportunity to meet with the chamber, and um, uh, Frankie Fien was very keen that I should get to Saigo during my first uh, eight weeks back in the job and identified this as the event to attend and uh, met with the chamber beforehand uh, and also the president of the TU in St. Angela's and I had a chance to um, really say thank you to the business community for what they do in terms of providing employment for people uh, across the county. Um, I know a lot of businesses are particularly struggling with rising costs, um, mm. And one of the schemes that we've put in place uh, is called the T-Best scheme. And it's a scheme that um, will really set aside a couple of hundred million euros to help businesses with their energy costs. And what they said to me, and it is true, is that it hasn't really worked. Um, the amount of money that's been drawn down from that fund that we set aside uh, has been quite small. Um, and one thing we're working on, and we should have this revised um, as early as next week, is a revised TBS scheme so that more companies qualify for uh, a rebate, uh, on a partial rebate on their energy, energy bills, uh, and also that the amount that they get is more. Um, because you know, we did a lot during the pandemic to save jobs and businesses. I don't want to see viable businesses going to the wall or well, well, jobs may, being may, lost may, um, may, when, when we could actually save them with, with a bit, bit more help when it comes okay. to energy well, costs. Well, could you, could you save them, Taoiseach, by, by not increasing the VAT rate from 9 to 13.5% in the next few weeks? Because there are a serious amount of local businesses out there fearing the impact of this, many saying that their businesses just won't survive this increase. So retaining the 9% rate, is that now not now the most practical way for now of supporting businesses, do you think? Well, that can be particularly useful for um, businesses in in hospitality, for example, and hairdressers and other businesses that that are affected by that. It wouldn't be particularly helpful, you know, for your retail sector, for a lot of the services sector, for your butcher shop, for example. And one of the advantages, I think, of the energy support scheme, the TBEST scheme, is that um, if designed correctly, pretty much every business, and not just businesses, actually farmers as well, for example, professionals like doctors, sisters, accountants, they all benefit from it. So the energy support scheme would benefit a lot more businesses, farmers, self-employed people than continuing the VAT rate would. Um, That's not to say that we're not going to do that. Um, That's yet to be decided. Mm. But in terms of helping the maximum number of businesses, helping farmers as well, professionals, retail, uh, it's the TBEST scheme that can help a lot more businesses than the VAT rate. Okay. And whatever about businesses, what about families? Because by far and away, the majority of texts we've got this morning when people heard you were coming on has to do with what you're going to do for families and we had one woman on our show this morning Taoiseach a woman in business whose electricity bill has doubled in the past few weeks she says it's not sustainable you have indicated in the past few days there will be further cost of living supports introduced by the government shortly 
what are they likely to be and who will they benefit, can you tell us? Well, there has been a lot done already, as you know. You know, there have been increases in the minimum wage just kicked in the last few weeks, reductions in income tax, increases in pension and welfare, um, reductions in the cost of childcare, for example, public transport. You know, so all those things are done and all those things are, are permanent. Um, and there's another energy credit on the way, another 200 euros off people's bills in, in March. Um, I think what we have to decide now uh, over the course of the next week is um, what additional things we can do between now and, and the budget. Uh, so we need a response that is affordable because ultimately this is taxpayers' money. Um, it does need to be adequate and particularly target those people who are um, being hit the hardest by the rise in the cost of living. Um, and that's the kind of package that we're, we're working on at the moment. Um, it's not agreed yet. And um, while there are lots of different options, it, it, it wouldn't be right for me to me really to start flagging them on the radio now because it might raise expectations about certain things being done that, that don't get agreed during the week. Yeah, you were in Sligo five year ago, uh, years ago, as you well remember, uh, almost today actually to launch the, the Project uh, 2040 uh, scheme, the National Development Plan. It was a very glitzy occasion, as you well remember, very stage managed and all that. And, and you were Taoiseach back then as well. Sligo was earmarked as the, the capital of the future of the Northwest. But five years in Taoiseach, people in this region are struggling to see any benefits from that, any progression. How would you respond to that? Um, I, I, I don't think that that's true. Um, when I was in Saigo on that occasion, um, the population of the county had been fairly flat and it's uh, gone up since then. We're seeing more people uh, choosing to work and live in Saigo, um, approaching full employment as well, which wouldn't have been the case at the time. And uh, that, um, the, that plan, as you mentioned, was launched in Sligo, in what was then the Sligo IT. And of course, that's now the uh, part of the, the Atlantic Technological University. We made a reality of that. Um, people are seeing the national broadband plan happen. That's happening for real now. Uh, roughly 100,000 homes, farms and businesses in rural Ireland being connected every year. Um, I travelled home on the Castle Baldwin to Caluni Road on upgraded N4, which wouldn't have been the case uh, when I came back that day from that launch. Uh, and of course, you're seeing uh, developments at the hospital uh, as well. Um, the, the new mental health unit opened, the new block uh, starting. Um, and of course, uh, so that is the progress that has happened, but there's a lot more that has to be done. And one of the things that they would have said to me at the Chamber of Commerce is uh, they want to see us continue to invest in the road between um, between um, Dublin Sligo on the N4. So the next most important piece of that is the Carrick and Shannon bypass. And we're uh, allocating funding for that this year to bring that forward. Um, and we should have worked on the new block in the hospital had the 42-bed block underway by the end of the year. And also as well, on the way to Sligo, I stopped off at Knock Airport. And it's great to see that airport doing well. It's an asset to the entire region. Uh, and as you know, um, new flights to London Heathrow happening there um, quite soon. And that, that'll be a real plus, I think, because it does connect the region to the world in, in a way that wasn't the case in the past. 36 of your ministers, uh, Thishuk, are heading to 74 cities in 44 countries for St. Patrick's Day. Do you think, you think that represents value for money? Why do so many of our ministers, including yourself, have to mm. travel abroad? Because it, because it, it is value for money, and it's something that I've done many times now as a minister, as Sánchez and as Taoiseach. And just to give you a small example, um, one thing we're guaranteed uh, every year is a meeting uh, with the President in the White House uh, and the senior leadership in Congress. There are 200 countries in the world. We're, we're one of a very small number of countries who get that level of access and we get it because of St. Patrick's Day and because of um, um, because of um, uh, our Irish connections in America and why that's really useful is because when you're having a meeting 
if you like, at president level or at CEO level or senior level, stuff that's sitting on people's desks around the system gets sorted, you know, because people want to get things done before the meeting happens. It really does accelerate the whole pipeline of things that are happening but need to cut up. Got, got over the line. And one thing I know from my work with the IDA when I, when I was Enterprise Minister, um, if it's St. Patrick's Day, if there's a representative of the Irish government in town, you get the meeting at the most senior level. And for a business that is thinking of investing, we'll say in the West, or an Irish company that's thinking of starting exporting, the fact that you have the minister with you, the fact that it's St. Patrick's Day, you get those meetings at the most senior level, which you just otherwise wouldn't. And that's the real added value to it. There's other things as well. It's not just about economics. It's connecting with Irish communities around the world, which uh, has a value in itself. But I can guarantee I'll be arriving on Tuesday night in Washington, D.C., and It'll be three solid days, working breakfast, working lunch, working dinner. And after that, I'll go home and prepare my speeches for the next day. It's a, it's a full-on 18-hour day. Enjoyable, interesting, but um, that's not what I do for my holidays. A very final question, uh, Thishok, um looking ahead. And, and it, it's no secret, I think, or maybe it is a secret, that you, you're not a fan of winter elections. Uh, therefore, the informed wisdom is that we're likely to be going to the polls towards the end of next year, autumn 2024. Is that the case or not? Has it been decided yet? No, no, it's not decided at all. Um, obviously, it is the prerogative of the Taoiseach to uh, seek a dissolution of the doll. Um, but I can absolutely guarantee you that the next elections that people will be um, going out to vote in will be the European and local elections when they come um, next May. Um, and uh, the date of the general election is not decided. And it's actually not the focus of government. You know, um, focus of government is on working for the people on getting the cost of living under control, on building more housing, on reforming our health service, on uh, reducing child poverty, on investing in our Gardaí and making our communities safer and stronger. That's the focus. And we're given very little time to election planning at the moment. So there'll be time for that, but it's not any time soon. Many thanks for taking the time to join us this morning. Uh, Thishuk Leo Farakur. A very good morning. Thank you. Thanks a lot.